kind of a different sermon series here. I don't know if I want to call it that yet, but um, you know, a lot of times when when we planning a sermon series, it's it's strategic. It's it's from God, and we feel like this is the direction we need to go as a church, and, and we work on some things together, and we try and, and make conscious decisions to uh, meet the needs of who we have attending. This is one of those sermon series where it's just good Bible. It's just Christianity. It's like what it's supposed to be like. And it's something that I have been ruminating over for six, eight months. I've had it in my notes, looking back on it again, and, and just trying to come up with the right time and some, some, some context to it um, and, and putting it in such a way that I think would be helpful. Because truth for the sake of truth is great, and knowledge for the sake of knowledge is fine. But I'm all about application and living it out and, and becoming the church and the Christians that Jesus wants us to become. And so this idea of the fruit of the Spirit has been one of those things in the back of my mind for a long time. And I think particularly in the culture that we are living in today, I think it's important that we as believers understand that there are certain behavioral traits that ought to be lived out in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. In our current cultural climate, I think it's important for us to learn and be reminded of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because in our conversations, in our interactions with each other, I think a lot of times it's so easy to react and respond in such a way that looks nothing like what God intended for Christianity to look like. And I think God wants us to know what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit and the fruit that ought to grow as a result of that. And I don't know what familiarity you have with this. So, you know, if you've been raised in church, maybe when, when you were a kid, you, you learned it in Sunday school. Um, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's awesome. Some of you don't even know what Sunday school was. And that's awesome. And, and because it's like, that's why we're here. Um, Virginia Hills Church um, strongly believes in providing an environment where people who are unfamiliar or unchurched or dechurched can come and belong and feel loved and learn and grow in, and grow, and grow in grace and truth. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. So if you're not even familiar with what I'm talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, sounds kind of weird. Okay, good. Then let's have a talk because... I'm pretty excited about this because in the book of Galatians, Paul was writing to a bunch of believers, and in the context of this chapter, he's basically saying, you can walk without any help of God and do things all on your own and come up with all these works of the flesh, or you can walk in the Spirit and you have exhibited in your life these incredible character traits of a Christian. And so as we read down through these things, and here's what my intention is. My intention today is to kind of find out the how behind all of this. Like, all right, so rather than going to talk about gentleness or talk about temperance, what what I'd like to do today is talk about how does that even happen? Right? How does how does that how does the fruit of the spirit even happen in someone's life? So kind of back up to the how and the why before we get into the what. And so, if you'll notice, there's three groupings of the fruit here. 
three different families, if you will. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, towards the end of the chapter and towards the end of the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to the church here and he says, if you walk in the Spirit and if the Spirit is being exhibited in your life, then here's what that fruit looks like. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and here's the first three, love, joy, and peace. And then here's the next three, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And then here's the next three, faith, meekness, and temperance. And if you want to kind of break it down, if you're kind of like interested in this kind of stuff like I am, the first three are really about our relationship with, with God and how that interacts in our lives. The next three are our relationship with our fellow man and how we interact with our fellow man. And then the last three are inward, things that we need to be working on as far as our own character. And that's kind of how we're going to cover them over the next couple of weeks is with that framework in mind. And I'm not saying that that's like a hard and fast rule. It's just that that's what I'm seeing when I look at those. And so we have this incredible, oh, crop of fruit that is supposed to be evident in the life of the believer. And, and what's, what's funny is that we always call it the fruit of the Spirit, but we act like it's the fruit of the Christian. Like, like if I, um, but, but really it's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's something that ought to be exhibited in the life of a believer, but it's not like a checklist of things that I'm working on and I'm going to produce this in my life. I think it should be in your life, but how it is in your life and how it is produced and exhibited may be something that we learn today. It's a result, I believe, of a life that's lived in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Here's the first big thought, right? So the first big thought is that we can only live a life of faith with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's just, so we can, we can look at this, this long list of nine different attributes and fruit of the Spirit and say, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm gonna, I really need to work on patience. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try and work on patience, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray God gives me patience. I'm, that's going to be my goal for the next month. I'm going to try and be more patient in February. And you're going to work at it, and you're going to probably not succeed. Because it's a work of you. And this life of faith can only be lived out successfully with the help of the Holy Spirit. So think about this with me. We started our relationship with God out this way, through faith, with the help of the Holy Spirit. We didn't come to Christ whenever you came to Christ because you have it all figured out. And because you can work this out and you can be good enough to make it happen and you are going to really try really hard to be a child of God. No, you came and you said, I ain't got nothing. I can't save myself. I'm not good. I'll never be good enough. And I need what you are willingly offering to me. I am absolutely helpless. Nicodemus was a high priest at the time of Jesus Christ, and he goes to Jesus at night because he didn't want anyone to see him. And he asks Jesus Christ some very pointed questions about why he's here, how to have a relationship with God, and Jesus Christ told him that he got to be born again. And he didn't, it just didn't compute with Nicodemus. Whoa, 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 born again. What do you mean? You mean I got to enter a second time into my mother's womb? 
and be born again. You're not making any sense, Rabbi. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, he said, except a man be born of water, that's the physical birth, and of the Spirit, capital S, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. So he's saying, Nicodemus, this doesn't happen just because you want it to. It doesn't happen just because you try hard. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to make this all happen. And so we started out that way, helpless. We came to Christ initially, helpless, in need of the Holy Spirit. He was part of the born-again process. And Jesus said, if you're not born of the Spirit, then you're not born again, and you won't see the kingdom of God. And it was God's intent then, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we then live the Christian life the same way that we started it, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is almost kind of one of those forgotten members of the Trinity. We pray to God our Father. We know that Jesus Christ paid for our sins. But the Holy Spirit is the comforter whom he left to live with us and live life through us while we're here living this thing on earth. Galatians chapter 3, just two chapters earlier that Paul wrote this, he said this in verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, your born-again experience, are you now made perfect in the flesh? So you, you understand, i got to have Jesus. I, I, I need the help of, of God in order to get saved, and I accept that, and the Holy Spirit moves in. And then he's saying, you understood that, but now you're trying to live out this Christian life with your own flesh, like with your own best intentions and best efforts, and it's just not enough. I believe this, the way we began our relationship for Jesus with Jesus is the way you need to live out your relationship with Jesus. And what did that look like for you? You have to acknowledge the fact that you couldn't save yourself. Set aside your own failed attempts at goodness and all your mistakes and completely trust in what he had done for you. And now we have this incredible power living on the inside of us, doing life with us, working in us, willing to work through us, called the Holy Spirit. And that is who we do life with. And that is who can produce the fruit that ought to be in our lives. So before we actually start talking about all the individual fruit of the Spirit, in context here, let me kind of reinforce that thought by looking at the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit a little bit, and then we're going to get a couple how-tos here that I think are always practical and helpful. So in the context of our passage here, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's pretty powerful. So there's something to this walking in the Spirit thing. And later on, he says, live in the Spirit. So there's something about walking in the Spirit. And if I can figure out how to do that, and if I can figure out how to walk in the Spirit, the promise in Scripture here is, if I walk in the Spirit, I'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's a big promise, people. 
Because here's the thing, the, the, the will of the Spirit and what, what the Spirit wants us to do and live out in our life is not just polar opposites of what the work of the flesh is. They're actually at war with each other, the Bible says. Because the very next verse says this, for the flesh lusts, that can also be interpreted wars. So the flesh wars against the Spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. Do you recognize that in your own life? It's like you know what's the right thing to do so many times, but it's just hard to just, man, I just, this is, this is me. This is, this, is, this is what I'm prone to do, and this is, this is how I'm prone to react. And you have that welcome. That's called normal. You have this flesh that you live in, and you have this incredible Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. And that there's this battle that goes on. They're contrary one to another, the Bible says. They're at war with each other. And then he goes on in verses 19 through 21 to list all of the sins of the flesh. The, the works of the flesh is what he calls it. I didn't put it up on the screen. Let me just, it's really discouraging. Um, now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. A lot more than the fruit of the Spirit. Those are our natural tendencies. And I believe this. I believe to some extent we've done a pretty good job of limiting those being exhibited in our lives. And I believe this partly because of our belief in Jesus and partly because of what the, the Holy Spirit is working in your life and partly because it's just not socially acceptable to do, do a lot of that. But then you have this other option, this fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23. And the fruit of the Spirit, okay, so, so if, if those were the works of the flesh, that's what I can produce, right? If I'm going to work at something, I can produce that really well. But if I'm going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, and if it is the Spirit that's producing it, not Eric, then this is the fruit that's the result. We can try to produce the fruit of the Spirit on our own. We can really try hard to be loving to people. We can try hard to be kind to people. And listen, I know a lot of people who don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them that are very loving and are very kind. But that's the best that we can hope to do. And that only goes so far. And I know this is going to sound really weird, but I think God's goal is that the Holy Spirit live through you and that you become obedient to the Holy Spirit. Not that you, not, your objective is not the fruit of the Spirit. Your objective is to walk in the Spirit. And if your objective is to walk in the Spirit, then the fruit will happen. But if you try and manufacture the fruit, you're missing the most important step, and that is walking in the Spirit to get the fruit of the Spirit. Because here's the truth, without the Holy Spirit, the best we can do is manufacture the spiritual with our flesh. And it's just not the same. You can be nice and gentle and humble 
Those can be natural tendencies that you have. But the best that it is, is a manufactured replica of what the true fruit of the Spirit is. I wouldn't call it plastic fruit, but there's very little value there. Like it's just not what God intended because it's not energized by and directed by the Holy Spirit. So in order to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we must walk in the Spirit. So what I'd like to do is just take a few moments and see what that looks like because this is what, I've, what, what, what my hope is, is that there's enough interest in us to say, man, I really need the Holy Spirit's help here. And so how do I get that help? What does it look like? And I just want to discourage you and say there is no formula, right? It's not like one, two, three, pray after me. Bunch of check boxes and I'm good. Walking in the Spirit is not a formula. But I love this verse in Colossians chapter 2. It says this in verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So there's some similarities between how we came to Christ and how we are to walk. And so what I'd like to do is just take a look at maybe some steps that might be involved in walking in the Spirit. Did you see that little analogy there? Steps to walking in the Spirit. I just, I came up with all by myself. That's why I get paid the big bucks. It's just... So some steps to walking in the Spirit. There's just three of them, and there's probably more. And honestly, when that last song James was singing, y'all were singing, I thought of the fourth one. And I'm like, well, it's too late now. I already got the slides made and everything. But it's like, this is, there's just, there's just no formula. But here are some things, some attitudes, some things that I think would really help get us going in the right direction. The first thing is this, acknowledge that you need us help. Doesn't that sound like getting saved? Acknowledge the fact that you just can't do it yourself. You just can't be good enough to make this happen. Let's be honest. None of us have this all figured out. I think that's why I feel feel a, a, a certain amount of pressure as your pastor. But if you get to know me, you know that I know that I'm not all that. Right? Thanks, Dave. I'm not sure if he was coughing and laughing or laughing to coughing to laugh, had to laugh. I'm not sure. But if you get to know me, you realize I'm just like you. Like, I got struggles. I got problems. I'm working through this. There is no formula. There's, I've been saved a long time. I got saved when I was nine years old. Didn't really get into church until my mid-teens. Didn't really get serious about serving the Lord really until I went to college. But that's still a long time to have heard a lot of messages and heard a lot of Bible and memorized a lot of verses, and I still don't have it all figured out. And there are people in this room that have, been, that have known Christ a lot longer than I have, and to be honest with you, I believe this. I believe that even in the 9 a.m. service, there are people in here who are much better Christians than I am. I believe that at least in different areas of your life. And you know what? I'm okay with that because we're all on this journey heading a different, I mean, we're all going the same direction. We're just in different parts of the journey. But I know that I need help. 
And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles as believers that we have to get over, and that is yourself. You allow your pride to get in the way of your growth because you don't want people to know who you really are. Or you don't want to, you don't want to have to humble yourself to learn a new truth or change how you behave. But we don't always know what we're doing. We might look like it, but we don't all know what we're doing. So funny, I think I've got a great relationship with Melissa. Married 27, almost 28 years. We've known each other for about 30 because I was really slow to the draw. <laughs> but it's like, you know, we, we enjoy each other's company. You know, like um, Kimber was, was uh, spent the night two nights in a row now at different people's houses. And we just, we enjoy each other's company. We laugh. We giggle. We, we, we make each other laugh. We, we enjoy each other's company. And we just like being with each other. And I think that we're good at our relationship. But, like, it takes one phrase sometimes to, like, end all of that. And then we got this big thing between us. Right? And it's like for a day and a half, we just are like snippy with each other. We can't figure it out and we don't want to talk about it and we're in the mully grubs. It's like it doesn't matter how great a relationship we have, we can still, and we don't even try sometimes. And it's like it just happens and we got this great relationship and then all of a sudden, nothing for like a day and a half. It just takes us a while to to. Get all the crap out and deal with it. And so it's not like we all have this figured out, every part of our Christian life. You can have a great relationship with Jesus and still have issues. None of us have got it all figured out yet. But I do know that we can't do anything truly good without the help of the Holy Spirit. We don't have it all figured out, but we want him to lead in our lives. You know, when you have kids and they're working on a project or they're trying to do something, have have, have your children ever come to the point of exasperation? And they're just like, I'm done. I can't figure this out. I can't do this. Do you realize that that's probably the moment where they're most ready for you to step in and help out? But have you ever had your kid be like, I got this. I got it. I got it. I don't need you. I got it. And you're sitting there going, you ain't got it. Uh, you, I'm, you, I know you think you do. And it doesn't get a lot better, to be honest with you. It's not like, it's not like that's just a 15-year-old problem. It's like my, 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 my sweet daughter is now married, and we have a wonderful granddaughter, and we still look at them and be like, we tried that. Right? We, yeah, Okay. But, you know, it's like um, when we come to that point where we just acknowledge that we need his help, that's when the process starts. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 says this, For I, this is Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, wow, dwells no good thing. That's Paul, who wrote the book that we're actually preaching from today. Paul said, 
the greatest missionary that ever lived, Paul said, I know that in me dwells no good thing. Yeah, but Paul, you saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, and you you evangelized the non-Jewish world. I mean, you wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I know in me dwells no good thing. John chapter 15, verse 5. Fantastic passage. I am the vine, you are the branches. Talks about abiding in Jesus. Jesus said this, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. So, acknowledge that you need his help. Second step, listen to the inner voice of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'll tell you what it looks like for me. And that is, I got to listen. And it's a sense that I get of what the right thing to do is. But a couple things I want to point out here is that the Holy Spirit is never going to tell you to do something that is contradictory to the Bible. No, God, the Holy Spirit's not telling you to run off with that flight attendant. Unless you're Scott and your wife is a flight attendant. Then that's fine. But in our church in Texas, there was a church member that said he felt God was calling him to run off with his flight attendant and leave his family. Jesus did not tell you to do that. But we can convince ourselves of anything, right? So listen to the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, and I can promise you this, it will not contradict, the Holy Spirit will not contradict the Bible. But what it looks like for me is a moment for me to pause and consider Right? I need to pause and consider what I'm supposed to do here. Can I just be honest with you? I think if most of us would just take a few breaths and pause and say a prayer, you would keep yourself out of so much garbage. But we are so rash and we run our stinking mouths so much, we can't help ourselves but throw up on somebody all the incredible wisdom that we have. And we get ourselves into so much trouble and we hurt so many people because we can't keep our mouth shut. And if we would just pause and ask the Holy Spirit, what should my response be? It's normally not going to be what you initially thought you should have said. That would be more like your work of the flesh. Sometimes it's doing what you already know is the right thing to do. But pausing to consider, asking when you're not sure, sometimes it means doing nothing. It means just waiting to respond until you have a sense of what the right thing to do is. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There is, this, there is this thing that happens, like you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you just get an urging to do something to help somebody. Pause, clarify, take a breath, pray, make sure, and then proceed. 
So acknowledge that you need the Holy Spirit's help to live this thing called the Christian life. And then listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as, they speak, as he speaks into your life. And then finally, <laughs> take a step. Do something, right? Take a step of faith. Do something beyond yourself. Take a step. That second step of listening is not a license to do nothing. It's just an effort to make sure that you're going in the right direction. It's pausing to make sure you're going to do the right thing. So here's my prayer. My prayer is something like this. God, if you know my heart, and I believe you do, this is what I think you want me to do. And this is what I feel like you want me to say. And this is what I'm going to do unless you tell me differently. God, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to hurt you or your kingdom or anybody else. But this is what I'm going to do because this is what I feel like you want me to do. And if it's not what you want me to do, please make it abundantly clear to me that this is not what I, that you want me to do. The same faith that saved you is the same faith that is required to live out the Christian life. And sometimes you have to take a step of faith and just obey and just do the urging, do what the urging says to do and make it happen and act upon it and take a step of faith. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the famous Hall of Faith chapter, says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's pretty powerful stuff. So, let's do this this week. We're going to get into the whole nine fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that, what it looks like. But could I encourage you this week? to be less concerned about what all of that looks like and be more concerned about acknowledging your need for the Holy Spirit's help in this life, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then taking the steps of obedience and faith. Because here's the truth. I think this. I think that walking in the Spirit looks a lot like living by faith. I think walking in the Spirit and letting Him lead your path looks a lot like living by faith. And this is going to be different for you than it is for me. But I believe this, in your relationship with your wife, in your relationship with your husband and your children and your parents, what a difference it would be if our responses and reactions were a result of us being obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. What does my wife need me to say right now? What does my husband need me to be right now? That's a loaded question. But can I promise you this? The Holy Spirit does have an intention. The Holy Spirit does want to produce this fruit in your life. And I think that these steps, and there's probably more of them, will help get you to where you're listening more to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you are starting to produce some of the fruit of the Spirit rather than some of the works of the flesh. Because walking in the Spirit is the key to having the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray, and we will uh, sing and be dismissed. Father, we love you and thank you for...
not only giving us what it ought to look like, but giving us the wherewithal to make it happen. You're just such a good God. You thought of everything. I mean, you saved us by sending your son, and then you keep us by giving us your Holy Spirit to comfort us and guide us and direct us and to to convict us and help us, Father, to walk in the Spirit this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.